So for this 50th anniversary series, we're taking a little bit of a different approach. Uh, we're focusing on a, a different scripture each week, of course, as we always do, but there's also uh, an overall theme for the, the whole series, and that's based on a verse from the uh, letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Uh, this is one of my absolute favorite verses in the New Testament because it captures an essential truth of our faith that that God is a constant in our lives, that uh, Jesus is a constant in our lives, and that, um, by extension, because the church is the body of Christ in the world, uh, the church is intended to be a constant in our lives. Now, uh, each of us engages with our church home in different ways, ways that are unique to our personalities and our spiritual needs and our spiritual gifts and sometimes just our stage in life. But however it is that we engage, the church should be a constant presence in our lives. And so for this three-week series, we're going to be talking about Christ United Methodist Church in the context of this, of this idea. Both Christ himself and Christ's church are indeed yesterday, today, forever. Our community changes, our nation and our world change, our, our culture changes, sometimes at a, at a dizzying pace. But as a congregation, our identity as United Methodists does not change. Our core theology, which is rooted in the unconditional love of God, remains steadfast. I actually wrote that before you came up with steadfast for children's time. Um, and our, our fundamental mission, which is to, to reach new people, to make disciples, to transform lives, is the same today as it was 50 years ago when our congregation was founded, and it's the same as the Christian movement's mission was almost 2,000 years ago now. And we can take great comfort in and inspiration from the fact that Christ Church has the, the same mission and purpose yesterday and today and forever. And over these three weeks, that's going to be our subject, beginning to, uh, today with um, yesterday, <laughs> as in the 50-year legacy that we have all inherited. So we've been telling the story throughout this year, uh, an as yet unnamed congregation of United Methodists first worshiped together in May of 1973 at that very first worship service. And there are several of y'all here today who are at that first worship service. Um, there were 51 members and 56 potential members at Sigler Elementary School. And it was the following month in June of 1973 that the congregation gave itself a name. As a, a church newsletter article at the time described it, here's why the founders chose the name they did. Quote, in the New Testament, the word Christ is the most common title of Jesus. It reflects uh, every aspect of his life and mission. To affirm that Jesus is the Christ is to affirm that Jesus is the decisive word of God's love spoken to fulfill the deepest human hope and need. In naming our church Christ United Methodist, we affirm that our purpose is to represent to our community the ministry of Jesus, the Christ. It was three months later in uh, September of 1973 that our congregation was officially chartered. So, with all this talk reminiscing about yesterday, you, you may be wondering what life was like in 1973. So, I looked up some stuff. Here's some, some interesting trivia. Um, this was the number one show on television back then, uh, followed closely by The Waltons, 
<laughs> and then by Sanford and Son, and then by MASH. And I just have to tell you, when I was looking through the top-rated shows in 1973, TV was awesome 50 years ago, because the other shows on that list were Kojak, and Sonny and Cher, and Hawaii Five-O, and Bob Newhart, and Mary Tyler Moore, and Happy Days, and Gunsmoke, and uh, The Six Million Dollar Man. Like, I don't even think I could name that many shows on TV right now. TV was awesome in 1973. All right, number one at the box office. Apparently, a lot of y'all were into martial arts. Uh, Enter the Dragon, that's Bruce Lee in his iconic role, and it wasn't just Bruce Lee. The following week, the number one uh, movie at the box office was a movie called Lady Kung Fu. Never heard that. And then the week after that, it was The Shanghai Killers. So martial arts for the win in, in fall of 1973. The number one song this day, 50 years ago, was by this woman. Now the choir knew this immediately at 845. You know, anybody else know who this is? Helen Reddy, yes. The song was Delta Dawn. And if you're old enough, uh, and if you think long enough about it, you're gonna have that song in your heads the rest of the day. Uh, well, just to make sure it stays there. Delta Dawn. <laughs> yeah, yes. Faded rose from days gone by. Yes, exactly, okay, so thank you so much. Three times you've humored me by doing that choir, thank you. Yeah, that's definitely gonna be in your head. Um, okay. This is how gentlemen were dressed in 1973, looking sharp, uh, at least the ones that, that shopped from the Sears catalog. Um, here's the look you've been looking for, it says. I'm guessing there were quite a few guys showing up at Sigler Elementary on Sunday mornings looking like that. Um, after looking like this the night before, yep. <laughs> also from the Sears catalog, if you can't read that, it says super clothes for the young man with a strong sense of fashion. For the women in the congregation, the contemporary look uh, in 1973 was clearly all about polyester and plaid, <laughs> both comfortable and fashionable. Now, obviously a lot has changed since the fall of 1973. Statistically speaking, um, over the past half century, I was actually surprised when I looked this up, uh, the U.S. population has increased by 60%. The population of Plano has increased by a factor of 10 and the membership of Christ United Methodist Church has increased 100 times since that first worship service to around 5,000 or so now. And of course the times have changed, right? The culture has changed uh, in some dramatic ways that nobody could possibly have, have dreamed of or imagined in 1973. But, but the mission and purpose of the church as the body of Christ in the world has not changed because our, our mission and purpose are constant, they are steady and enduring. Um, we are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's our mission. In 2023, it was the same mission in 1973. It was in fact the same mission in 33 when the resurrection of Christ launched the movement that bears his name. And so as we look back on where we've been, I think it's worth asking ourselves just why it is that we commit to our life in the church. Like, what is it about this place in particular uh, that makes us want to pour so much of ourselves into it? Why have so many given so much for so long to make this the place it is? And what, what motivates us today to be part of Christ United Methodist Church? 
Well, a few years ago, the, the Pew Foundation surveyed um, those who considered themselves active in their local church, um, active meaning attending religious services at least once per month, functional words there being at least <laughs> once per month, and respondents were allowed to give more than one reason. So here are the, the top 10 reasons that identified as very important by the respondents. So number 10, uh, to please their family, spouse, or partner. <laughs> Not bad. Mama wants you to come to church. You should come to church. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, number nine, to meet new people or socialize. Number eight, they feel obligated to do so. Number seven, to continue their family's religious traditions. Number six, to be part of a faith community. And I, I'm guessing that one or more of those reasons resonates with you, or at least did at one time, because I actually think that, that most people at least initially come to church for one of these reasons, and these are mostly um, external reasons for being part of a church. It's interesting that the next five, the top five, are more internal. So number five, um, they find the sermons valuable, and I'm sure if we did a poll, we would have higher than 59% return on that question, right, surely. Um, number four, for comfort in times of trouble or sorrow. Number three, to become a better person. Look at the next one. So their children will have a moral foundation. We should never lose sight of just how important that is to so many. And then number one, perhaps an obvious one, uh, to become closer to God. And I have a feeling that had the Pew Foundation surveyed the original 51 members back in 1973, why they uh, made church a major thing in their lives, the answers probably would have been similar, um, I'm guessing. And I'm also guessing that the answers uh, similarly constructed would have been similar back in the first century as well, because uh, the mission and purpose of the church are the same, yesterday and today and forever. Okay, so our scripture reading for today is from the second letter to the Thessalonians, uh, chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the author of Second Thessalonians, uh, which is attributed to the Apostle Paul. But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, and through belief in the truth. For this purpose he called you through our proclamation of the good news, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us, and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope. Comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So whatever, um, whatever you would identify as your specific reasons for making church a priority in your life, uh, the, the official mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And here at Christ United Methodist Church, we have for many years expressed that specifically as loving God, serving others, transforming lives. And everything that we do here, 
Everything that we invest in through our prayers, through our time, through our financial resources, every bit of it is, is connected to our mission in some way, which means that everything you do here is somehow connected to our mission. To celebrate our 50th anniversary, uh, to look back on where we've been over the past half century is to give thanks that we have um, inherited a church home where each one of us uh, gets to be part of a community that's dedicated to, to loving God and serving others and transforming lives. Uh, there, are, there are two letters to the Thessalonians in the New Testament. The first is actually the, earl, the oldest text in the New Testament. It was actually written before the Gospels were written. It's probably written around the year 50 or 51 A.D., the second letter to the Thessalonians, the one we're reading from today, was uh, probably written by students of Paul in his name sometime after his death. That was very common in the ancient world, but we're not sure exactly when it was written. But we do know for sure that it was written to a faith community that had been in existence for less than 50 years, uh, which means that our scripture for today was written to a, a community of faith that was younger than our own. Um, a community of disciples that Paul encourages to stand firm in the traditions that they had been taught, traditions about Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now for us as United Methodists, those traditions are um, all about the grace of God. We believe in lots of things. We, we um, believe in a lot of practices, um, but it's all rooted in the grace of God. And we're so serious about the theology of grace that we talk about it in three different ways. It doesn't take you long to be around Methodists, certainly a Methodist preacher, without hearing about, for example, provenient grace, which is the notion uh, that grace goes before us, drawing us into a relationship. And then we talk about justifying grace, which puts us in a right relationship with God through our faith in Christ. Other traditions talk more about um, grace saving us, same thing. We also believe in sanctifying grace, which empowers us to continue to grow in our love for God and others throughout our lives. Sanctification is something that was mentioned in our reading. Now, if those, if those three words, provenient, justifying, sanctifying, are too churchy for us or too academic for us or too obscure for us, too technical for us, then we really can just explain the theology of grace by its most basic meaning, which is that God loves you personally, specifically. I mean, God loves us collectively, but God loves you personally, specifically, unconditionally. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> you cannot earn it. You cannot lose it, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've left undone, no matter where you've been uh, to this point in your life, no matter how far along on your journey of faith you may be, God's offer to you specifically of unconditional love is eternal and it's persistent and it's patient. And the only thing you have to do, but you do have to do it, <laughs> the only thing you have to do is accept it. To say yes to God, to say yes to Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday and today and forever. And the role of the church in all of this is to invite you into a community of faith that helps you draw closer to the, to the God who loves you unconditionally. And it was 50 years ago that 51 United Methodists founded this community of faith to bear witness to God's invitation 
through everything that we do. As current members of Christ United Methodist Church, that's the tradition that we have received, and our job now is to stand firm in the tradition of grace that we have inherited so that we might offer that same invitation to others because the mission of the church has always been the same, yesterday and today and forever. It was many years ago now that I was taking um, New Testament in seminary, uh, and our professor had us read widely. She had a, a very a very comprehensive um, syllabus that was a little bit intimidating, and it, include, it included all kinds of stuff about the texts we were reading, obviously, but then it included a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Her philosophy was that, you know, it's one thing to know the Bible, which is a bare minimum requirement and an obvious requirement for anyone who wants to be a pastor or a preacher, but it's quite another to, to connect Scripture to practical matters, right? Practical matters of faithful living and loving and wrestling and sometimes struggling and then eventually meeting one day Jesus in eternity. And so her, her syllabus included, in addition to lots of stuff about the New Testament, also works of fiction and um, spiritual autobiography so that we could connect the Bible to real life. And I'm so glad that she approached the, the subject that way. And one of the required readings um, on her list was an author I had not read before. Her name's Anne Lamott. And she's actually in our uh, church library. We have a couple of titles by Anne Lamott. And she wrote a little book called Traveling Mercies, which is a collection of essays. And there's an essay um, in that book, Traveling Mercies, called Why I Make Sam Go to Church. Now, if you know Anne Lamott's story, you know that she is a recovering alcoholic and addict. And by her own admission, she made some pretty bad choices early in uh, adulthood. She had been raised in an atheist home, and when she found herself in this moment of crisis in uh, kind of late, late early adult, uh, adulthood, um, she struggled to find, to find meaning and purpose in what had been kind of an aimless and self-destructive journey to that point. And so out of the blue one day, she decided to try the church. Now, as United Methodists, we would call that God's prevenient grace. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is always out there wooing us, inviting us into a relationship, even when we don't know it. And, and in this case, Anne Lamott thought, well, maybe I'll go to church. And thanks be to God, the church fulfilled its mission <laughs> by offering her the unconditional love and grace of God. And she became a deeply faithful person. Well, shortly after she started attending church, uh, she found out she was pregnant, uh, and she was not married, but her church did not judge her. They, they supported her unconditionally, and as a community of faith is supposed to, think of number two on that list of reasons to go to church, they helped her raise her son. And her, most of her family and friends, again, she was brought up in an atheist home, did not understand her attachment to the church. They did not understand her love for Jesus. They did not understand why she would continue to take her son to the community of faith that had meant so much to her. And so when her son was seven years old, she wrote an essay to explain why I make Sam go to church. And she writes, you might wonder, why I make this strapping, exuberant boy come with me most weeks. And if you were to ask, this is what I would say. 
I make him because I can. I outweigh him by nearly 75 pounds after all. (laughs) Think of the early reasons that we come to church. But that's only part of it. The main reason is that I want to give him what I found in the church, which is to say a path and a little light to see by. That's a pretty good reason to be in the church. Friends, I know if we were to do a survey right here, there'd be all kinds of reasons why we're here today, why we're, why we're committed uh, to this place. As we begin our three-week celebration of our 50th anniversary, you know, we stand firm in the tradition of grace that we have received, and we commit ourselves to ensuring that future generations will also find what we found here, which is to say, a path and a little light to see by. Amen.